You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 18 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome on the line the editor of the Toolstation Western League bulletin. It is Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Good to speak to you again. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Excellent. Um, I um, I I wasn't watching football uh, in the Tool Station Western League uh, uh, this weekend. Um, I was at Legoland. Hey. So um, so I I was spared um, Devise's <laughs> latest um, defeat at the hands of Almondsbury, which um, uh, uh, you've reliably informed me before the uh, before we went on air that we will be talking about. So of course I will get the I will get blow by blow action of that later. But no, I, I was um, I had a lovely weekend with my family. Good. Uh, in the run-up to Christmas, which is what it's all about, isn't it, really? But um, it's not what this podcast's all about. This is not Ooh. the Ian Knockholds family podcast, although not I'm yet. sure that there'd be a huge <laughs> following for that. This is the Toolstation Western League podcast. On uh, on this week's edition, we will be hearing from our league fixture secretary, Mr George McCaffrey. Of course, regular listeners will have heard from George many times. He's also our COVID officer. You will be pleased, despite the, the headlines in our in our media at the moment. We didn't talk about that at all, really. Um, we were talking about the Les Phillips Cup, which we've announced um, that we are going to play over the last week. And we'll have a chat with George about that and some other things that you might be interested in, particularly if your club is in line for promotion and relegation. Um, we will also be talking to John Gibbs, the chairman of Longwell Green Sports. Now, why on earth would we be talking to a chairman mm-hmm. on the Tool Station Western League podcast? Well, there's a very good reason for that, because his football club have just opened a brand new ground. We're going to be talking to John about um, about what that was all about, really, about the journey that that uh, that Longwell Green have been on um, to do that, because it's no mean feat at all. Uh, we will also have all the usual news and views from around the ground and of, uh, around the grounds, and of course um, the fixtures, and also the tables this week as well. We're going to kick off on Tuesday, the twenty third of November, at that historic game for Longwell Green Sports, the opening of the new Shellards Road ground. The visitors were Radstock Town. 424 people attended this game, Tom. Fantastic attendance um, for for Longwell Green. And, um, well, did Radstock prove party poopers? (laughs) They did try their best. Uh, Yeah, they were were probably the better side for, for much of the game but Longwell Green did eventually uh, grab a two-all draw um, highly anticipated as we as we've uh, yeah as we've kind of touched on a, a big return uh, Longwell Green have been playing away for for much of the se- well all the season uh, so far in fact um, so a, a return to, to Shellard Road for them and 424 as you mentioned there to, there to see it so uh, yeah lots of Lots of fun, I hope, was had by all, but it was was a good, well, pretty decent game on on the new pitch. Uh, Joe Cooper of Radstock, he was the uh, the first goal scorer on that new pitch, uh, but uh, it was uh, quickly cancelled out. Aiden San Felici uh, scoring scoring the uh, the equaliser for the home side, getting them back on level terms. Uh, but it was Radstock who moved back in front. Uh, three consecutive defeats come into this one, but uh, yeah, they played pretty well. Recently, uh, just before half time, and that was James Rustle uh, scoring from close range. Uh, but then, yeah, Longwell Green managed to, to push on in the second half and managed to, to grab a share of the points, as we said. Uh, Sam Felici completing his uh, double. That was 17 minutes from time. And, uh, yeah, they managed to, well, hold, so they held on. Uh, but, they yeah, they grabbed a, grabbed a tool draw, and that, that was that was how it stayed. 
We couldn't really let that historic moment go without having an opportunity to speak to uh, John Gibbs, the uh, the chairman of Longwell Green Sports. John's been a big supporter of the podcast over over recent years, so it was lovely to speak to him again. And I started our conversation by congratulating him on the opening of his new ground, and I asked him what it meant to Longwell Green Football Club going forward. It's a proud moment for a lot of us who's been involved with the club, uh, whether it's over a short term or a long term. It's uh, it's been a lot of hard work, and uh, yeah, I think the, the right word is we're, we're very proud of it, and uh, you know it's going to leave a legacy, for, hopefully for 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 footballers all sorts of ages for uh, for years to come. You had over four hundred people turn up um, for your game against Radstock. That was the opening um, um, game. I mean, what, what yep. did that mean to you personally? You must have been delighted. Yeah, I mean, obviously you wanted to, to um, show off what you, what you, the whole hard work that we've done, and, and for people to come along and see the facility. And um, yeah, it was it was really nice to see lots of different people from the local football community, from different people from different clubs, and people in our own community turning up. And uh, and that's followed through. Really, we called them like. Um, a trio of games that we had scheduled into once we could use the facility and uh, and then we've yeah we've continued that with uh, we had a good game on the Saturday then against Gillingham uh, and it was 140 odd for that game and then uh, last night we had a, another really good game 285 for um, the the visit of um, league leaders Welton Rovers so yeah so people have been coming in and uh, yeah it's great news. Well, we'll have a chat about that Welton Rovers game in a minute. But um, through the medium of the podcast, can you can you give us a sort of an, an audio tour of your of your new facility? What will people who are familiar with your old ground uh, but come to the new one? What differences will they see? Um, well, it's, it's we obviously talked about the new it being the new three G pitch, but it is, it's obviously more than that because we've had to they stripped the old ground away completely, so all the uh, you know the old um, um, perimeter fencing, this the spectator rail, uh, the pitch itself, the the stands were moved back out of the way, um, and you know it's it's got um, acoustic fencing which is sort of enclosed the ground all the way around. So it, it is a new ground. The, the floodlights have been um, upgraded. So you know they were um, admittedly they were only they weren't that old only two or two thousand and five but they were upgraded again so uh, yeah and it's, it's all been partially done up and um, all the car parks been done and uh, we've, we've even uh, um, chosen to to got a new bar area there and that as well now so it's just it's, all, it's a complete new new facility. So can you tell us a bit about how long this project was in the making because obviously the fans you know don't get that understanding of what it's like for people in your position who are who are running a club. These things don't just happen by themselves. What did you have to go to to get to the stage of, of opening the new ground? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, I think it was three years out of my life. Um, um, you know, it's, uh, it's taken us three years. And uh, If I was to say to you, I've got all the emails to do with all of it, on a, on a separate link on the computer, and I, and that's logged on at seven hundred and eighty um, emails, um, and, and still going going now. So it's been it's been a lot of um, work. Um, we were approached in the first instance um, 
by South Gloucestershire Council and the FA because there's a football pitch strategy going all over the country to produce so many of these 3G pitches in in certain locations, um, and you had to have to reach certain criteria. So you know we ticked a lot of the boxes on that. So we we worked with them on that, and uh, we had to obviously do the grant applications for all the various different grants that we got, um, and then there's. You know, the biggest thing is going through the planning permission um, to get game planning permission, and, and, and that's a, a, a feat on it on itself. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a process all, all the way through, um, which has involved a, um, a lot of people, a lot of people, um, and obviously as our, our, our Neil Saunders, chairman of our um, junior section. Um, so it's been a, a link up with our with our uh, ourselves, with our with the juniors, and, and indeed the Lombard Green Community Centre. Um, so it's been a, a trio of us um, working away on it together. And having got the uh, the ground over the line now, what, what does this change in any way your ambitions for the club on the pitch? You know, where would you like to see Longwell Green Sports playing their football? Well, I, it's not. So, I don't think it's so much about playing um, um, football. I, I, I think you know I've been involved with the club for, for many years now, and I, I think that um, I've taken the club into the Western League, or we've taken the club into the Western League, and the facilities there now for um, however we want to go forward is it's been done to sort of level level four. So you know whether it be in a year's time, five years time. Um, someone comes along in and produces or, or wants to per, take a team to a higher level, the facilities there. I've always said in football, you can't do it the other way around. You can't produce a side and then try and get into a higher league and then start, then think about the facility. I think you've got to produce the facility, then let the you know, um, football follow. Um, now let's talk about the football because you mentioned I think you've had three games at the new ground. Um, you, you are yet to get your first win there. However, you did get a draw against Welton Rovers. Did that feel like a win? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think if um, if you'd have um, said to us before the match that you're going to get a two or draw, I think we would have taken that. Um, and uh, yeah, we've we've had three cracking games on there. I mean, the game against Radstock last week, the opening game was a cracking game of football, and uh, um, both sides played their part. Um, it was also I mean, a good game, an unusual game against Gillingham Saturday, where we had a large amount of possession and uh, ended up somehow lose, losing the game. And uh, but the game last night again, it was and Weltner a good side. Um, I mean, I think they were they were nailed on now to win win the league this season. You can't see any any them throwing that away and they are a good side and, and they're a nice club and um, it, it was yeah, it was a good game last night but I think both managers agreed after the game that it was a fair result Because it's been a funny old season um, for you on the pitch isn't it so far, I mean you've had wins against Wincanton and Cheddar but obviously you talk about that defeat to Gillingham and I know you've lost as well to Almondsbury so I mean how do you make yeah. What's your take on the way that your side have been performing so far? Yeah, we're really pleased. I mean, um, we've got Chris Alway, um, who's been at the club for a long time and a super guy and has got the club at heart. He's joined with Alex Grimshaw's come back with us, who, who, who's you know been at the club since a youngster um, and coupled in with Mark Summers. So we've got three people there who've really got the club at heart, really want to take it forward. 
and and they've decided to go down the route of local players and a lot of players that we brought up through our, our system and and that's the way we want to go with it and uh, we've got a very very young side uh, at the moment and um playing some great football at times some you know we've got to get a little bit more streetwise at times and uh, that will come with experience and uh, I think we, we would just get better all the time like you say we've gone down to places like Cheddar and, and 1-4-1 and then you know there's been a lot of games this season where we've 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 dominated and, and played a lot of, lot of good football, but been a little bit naive with maybe with some of the goals that we've given away and and, and more so maybe the chances we've missed. But that will all come. Uh, I'm, I'm quite you know confident we've got a, a good young side down there. We're just going to improve all the time. It's, it's an interesting point you make actually about um, having a young local side, and I think it's perhaps one that um, that isn't widely reported enough because. Part of the reason for doing that, are, are you are you confident of seeing a sort of a benefit through the gate as as more local people, more relatives from friends, will want to come and see yeah. your local based players play for you? Yeah, I, I I think that. Yeah, I mean, you you always get you, you know people come along and look, you know I, I, like last night there's people there, mates of players that are playing. There's there's parents and family and people and and yeah, we've we've got a brilliant junior section. We got one of the reasons we've <coughs> got the grant obviously. Grants that we've gotten it was was through our, our junior section, and uh, you know we're going to run a new under eighteen side next year, and we got some great junior. You know, we, our junior sides do really well. There's some strong sides in there, so there's there's we, we want to use those players, make use of those players, and I think people are going to want to stay at Loma Green because it's going to be great to play on this new 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 pitch, this new facility, and uh, play on it week in week out. So. Um, yeah, so I, I think we'll get we become really will become a strong community club, and um, with players wanting to stay with the club and wanting to play for their local club. Uh, well, that's very much uh, news at Shallard's Road. We, we, we'll move away for Saturday because you've got a trip to Sherborne, and that that won't be easy for you, will it? No, no. It's um, <clears throat> I mean, I think uh, we talk about uh, Welton being the top side. I I think. Um, a lot of people talk about Shearbourne as being uh, like the second best side in, in the league. Um, again, a very experienced, strong side. So, it's, yeah, it's going to be a tough game down there. Um, but it's a pleasurable place to go. The nice people down there. And uh, we look forward to going down down there. And, uh, yeah, and uh, we say with a young side, they, they haven't got any fear. So they just turn up and want to play. So, uh, yeah, we, we could get one of those surprising results again. And um, like we got down Cheddar, hopefully. And then if we turn our attention to the festive period, it's very difficult to look past your game on the 27th against near neighbours Oldland Abertonians. Obviously, they're going rather well in the league this season. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I guess with your new facilities, um, you're really hoping for a bumper festive crowd to, uh, to cheer you on in that one. Yeah, yeah, and I think we, we've switched the game. I think a lot of clubs have this year. We've switched the game from the... We all like the traditional Boxing Day game. I mean, but that's a lot puts a lot of work on a lot of your committee and people are actually running the club. So it's nice that we got that extra day this year. And then look forward to the game on the Monday. One thing we can this is the main thing with the three G. You can unless you get snow, you're going to be playing on it. So you know you're going to hopefully guarantee your game being on. Um, um, yeah, we and we will get a bumper crowd that day, and um, I, I would say that we get a larger crowd than we did for the opening game and uh, could well could well get um, you know um, um, a 500 crowd um, 
gate for that game. And um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a game. And yeah, Auckland doing well. Um, and uh, yeah, both both sets of teams will look forward to playing each other on that day. I'm sure. And my thanks to John for his time. Now let's move on to the fixtures in uh, on Saturday, the twenty seventh of November, and we'll kick off at Brislington, where the visitors were Shepton Mallet. A hundred and nine saw this one. It would have been the away fans that went home happy, Tom. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant result in the end for for Mallet. They pulled away late in this one. It was a yeah, quite a yeah. I'd say it was pretty much all about the late show, really. They'd gone ahead uh, after about 20 minutes for Andy Martin, uh, but Brislington did manage to, to get back on level terms uh, on the hour mark. That was Josh Brace uh, scoring their equaliser. Uh, but yeah, look, well, 10 minutes uh, to go, and it was it was still one all, but that was where Mallet really pushed on, uh, eventually running out 4-1 victors. Uh, Nathan Legg doing quite a bit of the heavy lifting in this one. He restored their lead in the 80th minute, and they didn't, yeah, they didn't really look back from then. Uh, Finn Wilkinson making it through one with a, with a long-range free kick. Uh, and then Leg, uh, pretty influential again. Uh, he, yeah, an excellent piece of skill uh, down the wing from him, uh, setting up Joe Morgan in in injury time, uh, and he rounded out the scoring. So four-one uh, win for Mallet away at Brislington. What was the name of that Brislington goal scorer again? That was Tom Josh Brace, B-R-A-C-E. You would have thought with a name like that, he'd score two every week. I, I think he probably anticipated that he was going to get a get another equaliser, but it wasn't to be. Never mind. Um, <laughs> we will move on to Millbrook against Exmouth Town. And this was a very, very impressive result for the home side. Yeah, I'd say it was potentially the, the standout result of the weekend, really. A 4-0 win uh, for the hosts over Exmouth. Two two pretty decent sides that obviously we've yeah, um, come, to, come to know a bit better over recent times. And uh, yeah, 4-0 win for Millbrook. And probably Exmouth's yeah, toughest, toughest afternoon of the season, I would say. Um, yeah, they started really well, uh, leading in the early stages uh, with, uh, with a penalty from Tom Payne uh, after Josh Toulson. Uh, he'd been hauled down in the box. Uh, Toulson proving to be, uh, yeah, the, 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 a real thorn in the side of Exmouth. And uh, it was him who uh, scored the second goal, uh, doubling their advantage right at the end of the first half. So a, a good good lead for them to take to the, to the interval. Uh, and they pushed on from there. Uh, Jack Wood. Uh, scoring the third, and uh, it was Toulson again. Uh, pretty much a, a perfect day for him personally. Uh, he scored for the second time uh, with a headed goal in the in the final ten minutes, and uh, yeah, a four 0 win uh, for Millbrook over over Exmouth. And our final game uh, to review in the Premier Division this week is a real clash of the titans. It's got, I was going to say, Tom, it's got more drama than Downton Abbey, but what? actually, a game like this has got. Probably, we should be saying, it's got more drama than Poldark. It was Mousel against Saltash United, and it was the late, late show, wasn't it? It really was, yeah. Uh, the home side grabbing a late winner uh, to run out 2-1 victors. Uh, there was a, a seventh-minute goal, which was no goal, in fact, uh, that put Mousel in front. Uh, but from there, Saltash, uh, yeah, they did assert themselves and they managed to, to get back on level terms uh, pretty early in the second half. And that was a, a volleyed finish from uh, Sam Farrant. And uh, yeah, it looked like it was gonna gonna remain one all. Uh, but with the game in stoppage time, Mazel did manage to to uh, yeah to to pop up and, and grab a well really important goal, a pretty dramatic late winner. That was from Mark Richards, and uh, yeah, oh, well a really impressive three points for for the home side there. And, and Saltash left licking their wounds a little bit. If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah. 
they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now we move on to the first division and we'll kick things off at Nurstead Road where Basement Boys Devises Town were taking on Almondsbury. This was a game I really hoped that um, Devises would be able to get something from. You know, I think we've moved past the days of six pointers. We're probably on 36 pointers <laughs> right now, Tom. Um, I wasn't there. I was too busy going around um, the Duplo village um, to uh, to be able to keep up with this one. So can you, can you tell me what I missed? <laughs> Could do my best, yeah. Unfortunately, devises uh, the 58 of them that were there. Uh, unfortunately, the you anyway saw uh, saw an away win. Uh, Almondsbury, uh, they now won four of their last five, so it wasn't an easy game on on paper for devises. And uh, yeah, they did did uh, eventually fall to a defeat. Uh, it was goals either side of the interval from Alex Cumming and uh, Joe White, uh, which saw Almondsbury run out victors. And as I say, they're in a yeah real good real good uh, real good run at the moment. So not not too disgraceful a result for devises. And uh, yeah, two one win for Almondsbury in that one. Yeah, difficult one on paper. Mm, harder one, harder one on grass by the looks <laughs> of things. Um, we'll move on to Longwell Green Sports. Of course, we talked about them at the top of the podcast. That historic um, opening of their new ground, and uh, the visitors uh, on Saturday were Gillingham Town. Now, I, I've got. I, I've got some knowledge about how ruthless they can be um, when they're in form, and it looks like they were in form on Saturday, Tom. They definitely were. Uh, a big, yeah, big win for them. Obviously, uh, a couple of a uh, couple of um, genuine goal scorers they seem to have in, in their ranks: Elliot Beavis and James Boyland, uh, and they were both at it again on the weekend. A couple of goals each, in fact. Uh, a four-two win uh, for Gillingham over over Longwell Green. So, uh, yeah, good. Um, really, well, I'd say, yeah, one of the uh, most impressive results of the weekend. Quite a lot of away wins, in fact, in, in the first division, and, and this was one of them. So, uh, yeah, Gillingham running out 4-2 winners at Shellard's Road against Longwell Green. And another away win um, came in our next uh, mm. our next fixture. The Bishops of Sutton were travelling to high-flying Oldland Abertonians, who have been doing exceptionally well um, you know, this season. So uh, perhaps that makes um, Bishop Sutton's victory at Oldland all the more impressive, Tom. I'd say so, yeah, and uh, free on the spin now for for the bishops. Um, so uh, yeah, finding some finding some form ahead of ahead of the Christmas period, so that's good for them. Uh, but it could have been a whole lot different. Uh, Oldland missing a missing a gilt edge chance uh, midway through the first half. Cash Finnell uh, dragging his penalty wide, unfortunately. So that was a bit of a let off for uh, for the away side, and yeah, they really did capitalise. Craig Wilson. Uh, scoring twice uh, for them. There was also a chip finish from Liam Villis, uh, 18 minutes from time. That made it two at a time uh, before Wilson Wilson grabbed another. Uh, as I say, so he ended with two. Uh, no goals for Oakland Buck in this one, so they managed to managed to do it without their main man scoring. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, really good win. And as I say, another another away victory, and that was Bishop Sutton three-one uh, away at Oakland. Who was the player that missed that early chance, Tom? That was Cash Vinnell, V-I-N-A-L-L. Vinnell, I might be pronouncing it wrong. I do apologise for that. But... Well, don't apologise because I think he's the winner of our name of the week. Unless got... you've got... I was you've about got... to say, we've got, we've got one game left, so you never know. But I think, yes, that probably will be... Oh, I don't know, actually, just looking ahead. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, you, we'll, you, you can be the judge of that in a minute. All right, I should be the judge of that. But with a name like Cash Vinnell, I've just mm. got... I, that name conjures up... Like Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills. Oh, I like Cop. it, yeah. Do you know, I mean, there's got to be a character in one of those films. Yeah. 
called Cash Rental. Anyway, what a what a name that is. And um, we are now moving on to Southfield's Recreation Ground, where the miners, Radstock Town, were taking on Wales City. Now, I've seen Wales City this uh, this season. They were down at Mausel in the Vars, and I was very impressed um, with with what I saw. Um, they've been doing very well in the league. So, uh, and Radstock have been. Well, off form, I think, by their high standards, would probably be overrating it. I mean, they had, uh, yeah, they'd lost a couple in the league. Uh, they had that draw, of course, uh, at Tuesday, on Tuesday um, at Longwell Green Sports. But I think we can safely say that they've returned to ruthless goal-scoring form. Ruthless Radstock, indeed. Uh, a big win over Wales. So Wales, yeah, they had been going well, but um, unfortunately, yeah, um, a six-nil defeat last weekend against Wales, and maybe as Maybe just, well, hit them for six a little bit. Uh, followed that up with another six-goal defeat, a seven-one loss at Radstock. So hopefully they can they can recover now from a couple of heavy heavy losses on the spin now for Wales. But uh, yeah, for Radstock, uh, yeah, real real happy return to, to goal-scoring form. And there was one man in particular we did mention him earlier. He scored in that Longwell Green fixture as well. That was James Rustle. Uh, he spearheaded their attack in this one, scoring four of their goals. So uh, yeah, fantastic afternoon for him. And uh, further goals in that one for Radstock came from Simon Millard, Joe Cooper, and then a potential name of the day. I mean, uh, the, yeah, as, as you well know, you were you were the man who uh, informed me of some of these uh, goal scorers on <laughs> on Saturday evening. So if you can remember, it was Rico Sobers, and I'm a, ah. yeah, I mean Rico, that is a fantastic name. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, you're, as I say, you can be the judge, but it's Cash Vinnell versus Rico Sobers this week, I think. It is, isn't it? It's a bit like that's yeah. that's this sort of Eddie Murphy against Steven Seagal, isn't it? Oh. I think that that Cash has got mm. it's got that comedic '80s sort of cop show mm. thing going on there. Wisecracking mm. best, but Rico Sobers, that is, you know, that's 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 Steven Seagal is hard hitting best. <laughs> Anyway, what a load of nonsense that is. Um, let's stop talking about that and let's move on to this this season's Les Phillips Cup competition. Um, the draw took place last week at that uh, that game at Shellards Road between Radstock and, of course, Longwell Green Sports. We've talked about that on this week's podcast. And um, I thought that was a great opportunity to get George McCaffrey, our fixture secretary, our COVID officer, Back onto the uh, back onto the podcast to just explain a little bit about what the format for this year's Les Phillips Cup competition will be. The league took the decision to not schedule the Les Phillips Cup purely because of um, our concerns over the fixtures, but uh, already in November. Um, we've achieved an average of 55% of our games. So um, the board took the decision to schedule the Les Phillips Cup. And the way that we're going to do it is that um, we're going to have four groups of... But to actually operate that, we have to establish a preliminary round, which is what we've done in previous years, so that we reduce the clubs from 40 down to 32. And so, with the help of uh, Martin Blatchford and Simon Wilkinson at Longwell Green last week at their opening game at their new all-weather facility, we made the draw. And the preliminary round was done quite quickly, and as I said, it's geographical, so we've got Helston against Millbrook, Ilfracombe against Buckland in Group 1, Group 2, Wincanton against Cheddar, Street are hosting Sherbourne in Group 2, Cabri Heath are hosting Longwell Green. Bishops Lydiard are hosting Bitten in Group 3. 
Group 4 will be Devizes hosting Warminster and Canesham hosting Wells. That's the preliminary round. And then if you go on to the um, Toolstation Western League website, you'll be able to see the draws for the remaining of the groups um, because I think it's a bit uh, long-winded to go through it all this morning. The preliminary rounds we are hopefully going to play before the end of February and then we'll move into the, the main fixtures for each of the groups and they will be scheduled for midweek during March. So uh, a midweek competition, you've mentioned obviously the group format, you've talked about the geographies. Previously, obviously, the Les Phillips was a, was, was a simple knockout. But with the four group structure, can you explain sort of how that gets us eventually to the final? Yes, yeah, so once we go down to 32 clubs, having played the preliminary round, we'll go into the first round where we will have four games in each of the four groups. Um, again, whilst they are in group format, it is a straightforward knockout. So really, we're going into round one, which will be 32, so 16 games. The next round will actually be the quarterfinals, the semi-finals, and then hopefully the final will be played just after the end of the season, depending on um, the situation with regard and the playoffs, which is something we can talk about later. But the, um, the, the group format that um, we've been discussing is very much dis, um, designed to sort of minimise the travel because obviously travel has been a key fix, uh, a feature of our conversations when we were talking about you know, the, the, the fixture list this, this season and, uh, uh, and obviously how you schedule in the midweek games. And of course, with a midweek competition, um, we could potentially have had the issue of, of my very own devices travelling all the way to Mausel, which is a lovely place to go. And I'm, I'm sure I'd be very much up for it, but um, I'm sure there'd be people out there thinking, um, you know, first division clubs making those trips down, um, uh, you know, into Devon and Cornwall that, that in, on, on a midweek could be, could be something of a headache. But the, but the thinking that you've employed in designing this year's competition has, has really had that at the very heart of it, hasn't it, George? Yes, it has. But we've also got to remember that, of course, the clubs don't want to be playing the same clubs week in and week out and uh, because obviously they will play these teams in their county cup competitions as well so we did expand it because we looked at doing different size groups like eight groups of five sort of thing and, and having a round robin type thing but that really compresses who y- your opponents are and for the Cornish teams that's all they would play so um, we listened to what the club reps said at the board and so we came up with this format. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, we appreciate that, but to the league it's important that we do play the Les Phillips and I think this gives us the opportunity to do that. We've played over 55% of our games now. Fortunately, we only lost one at the weekend, so that wasn't too bad, but you can see that the weather is turning and so there is a potential. And of course... The Les Phillips does give us a flexibility that if the weather does kick in, then it's something that we can revisit. But we really do want to play this competition because we believe it's important, both for the Phillips family 
and uh, and for the clubs themselves because it's a wonderful trophy. Yeah, it's been an interesting feature of some of my interviews on the podcast so far this season. I think you know, I think all of us when we you know headed into this season, having had two incomplete seasons, um, you know, there was some trepidation exactly how things would go, and of course we had the added dimension of significant travel distances. Um, but we, as you say, we we have actually made you know extraordinary progress really in 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 getting a lot of our our fixtures um completed which you know which is obviously very positive but i suppose one of the the negative aspects of that is that when clubs are looking at the second half of the season um you know they're thinking well you know exactly how many fixtures are we going to have to play and i guess that introducing the les phillips cup in this way actually does for for, for many of our clubs will provide um, a few extra fixtures perhaps in a way where you know covid isn't behind us the weather certainly isn't very much in front of us at the moment um but but there is that potential to play a bit more a bit more football yeah indeed and, and by getting ahead of the game with the uh, number of fixtures we've played we do, we have created um some gaps and you know i'm sure that you the supporters will look at their own individual clubs and see you know there's two weekends where they don't have a game and so the possibility is that if we do lose games, obviously they can be moved into those Saturdays, which is to me the important thing. But also we've got the flexibility to move some of the Les Phillips Cup games to those Saturdays if both clubs are available. We can be very flexible on this. And I think clubs do need to be aware of this flexibility because it is because we also have six clubs still in the FA Vars, you know, and um, we moved their games for the 11th of December quite easily into those gaps. But some clubs, we've now filled that. So if they're successful, their games that we will have to schedule in January will now have to go potentially to midweek. But one of the things I will say now is I will look at that because if if we do have a long journey scheduled and it has to go to a midweek, I will look at the club's fixtures to see if I can move a local Saturday game to a midweek so that the long distance goes into a Saturday wherever possible. And so I would just say to all of the supporters and the club, you know, please accept this because whilst you may say, well, it doesn't affect us, it may be you next time if this club is successful in the next round of the Vars. So we're just asking clubs to support each other and accept this movement. And, and, and I'm, I know you like to see the fixtures laid out, bang, there it is. That's what it's going to be like for the rest of the season. But I think, you know, being flexible is uh, the operative word here. We want to try and help as many clubs as we can. And when we talk about distances, you know, it, it is, it's not so much the cost, it's the time. You know, for an evening game, to have to take the whole afternoon off work to leave your area, whether it's Cornwall or whether it's Bristol, to leave at midday to get to the venue by six o'clock, you know, so you have to finish work whenever. You're taking the whole afternoon off and then you're not going to get back till three o'clock in the morning and you've got to go to work a few hours later. So I want to refrain from doing that, but it may just happen. So far, we've been very lucky and it's worked. The clubs have been absolutely fantastic with their support and response to uh, my requests. And I'd just like to say thank you to everybody. 
I mean, one of the other um, observations I know people have certainly supporters have made is when you get a situation where a club will say have you know three home games in a row or they may be they may not be at home for a month um but um i know that there are guiding principles you've, you've talked a little bit about them um um so far but there are guiding principles aren't there that when the fixtures start at the beginning of the season they certainly don't have that in mind actually it's this it's the you know it's the it's the willingness it's the it, the project is about getting these games played moving games forward filling gaps if we can in order to beat you know whatever um what, 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 whatever gets thrown at us yeah, and the simple way to look at it is that you know we plan never to have more than two home or two away games. But if I've got in a sort of January period, I've got you away for two games, then you're at home, then you're away for two games, and I move that home game to uh, you know October time, then all of a sudden you've got a run of four away games with no income. And so I'm very much aware of that. And I work very closely with the club secretaries. And if I identify that, then I try to get a reschedule and pull forward a home game. And it creates more more gaps at the back. And, of course, some people say, oh, well, um, you know, we haven't got a game for two weeks. And, you know, the, I go, well, actually, if the weather's bad, you may not have a game for a month. But, you know, that's the way it is. And so... For this season, this is the way it is. And uh, as I say, the clubs have been spectacular. And when when they identify, they come to me and say, oh, you know, we've seen this. I go, yeah, I know. I've, I can see that. And what I'm going to propose to do is pull this game from here and put it in there. Oh, right, OK. And uh, and so it helps. But, yeah, we do. That There are clubs that have got a, a run of a lot of home games in, in the next month, for instance, but there was little I can do about it. But there's a gap there, and uh, so uh, we can at least allow the, the ground to rest. But we have been in contact with those clubs and spoken to them about the potential of moving. But at the moment, you know, they're, they're content in what we've arrived at. That's excellent, George. Now, one last um, question for you, which is the other one that fans have started to um, to muse about, and that is, of course, the perennial question of promotion and relegation and um, uh, in our Western League handbooks and available on, on our website we have the National League system regulations which outline what promotion and relegation was going to look like at the start of this season but it has become since the restructuring an incredibly academic exercise so can you can you try and shine a little bit of a light on uh, on what you know about the, uh, the the regulations at the moment notwithstanding obviously you know what we've had over the last couple of seasons where everything got thrown up in the air and and, and done its own way and I think to a certain extent we've seen with the lateral movements that were part of the restructuring that actually it's not always possible to predict absolutely everything that the FA uh, may wish to do but in terms of what the regulations are saying what can you tell us about how promotion and relegation is going to work this season? For a start one, one of the things I have to say is that the restructure of the non, non-league system is definitely a work in progress. This isn't the final footprint. This isn't the final picture of what it's going to look like for the next 20 years. The FA are looking and reviewing the situation, and so things can change. In that, but that's the overall non-league structure. Regarding this season, I think the big one to be aware of 
is that we're aware that we're operating with 19 clubs in the Prem and 21 in the first. There are leagues above us at step uh, four, step three, step two that are similar in that they have gaps. Now, the, the overall plan is that the Southern League will relegate their bottom two clubs and they will be geographically allocated to the step five divisions. So if we look at the current league positions, and I have to stress this, it's what's the picture today, not at the end of the season. So if you look at today's picture, that would mean that Mangotsfield and Barnstable Town would be relegated. The likelihood is that Barnstable would be relegated to the Western League. But the possibility is that Mangotsfield could come to us, but also could go to the Atlantic League. So those two will automatically be relegated, but then the clubs above them, Cinderford and Biddeford, would go into a playoff. Then if we look at our divisions, again the current, Tavistock would automatically be promoted as the winners. And then Bitten, who are second, currently second place, would then have their points per game calculated and they would then go into a table. And that table will then result in whether or not they need to take part in playoffs against the likes of Biddeford and Cinderford. Again, there's doubt there purely because of how they're going to fill the gaps at step two, step three and step four. And with regards to our division, our Premier League, how are we going to go back to 20 clubs? We don't know how the FA are going to do that. Is it just going to be lateral movement or will they only relegate one or will they promote more? We don't know. So we can only go on what the current picture is. And so for relegation, you would look at the Premier Division and you would say that Ashton and Backwell and Bridport currently would be relegated. Now, Ashton and Backwell would go back into Western Div 1, we assume. Bridport could go into Div 1, but they could also go into Southwest Peninsula East. We don't know. Again, that's something for the FA to decide. We're outside of that. Then if we go down to Step 6, so our... Division 1 in the Southwest Peninsula League. Welton Rovers would automatically be promoted, along with Oakhampton and Falmouth Town would be promoted into our Premier Division. Warminster, who are currently second place in our Div 1, would then likely go into a playoff scenario. Again, it's because it's all in doubt, we're not sure. But that's the current layout. And then those three divisions, Tool Station Div 1, Southwest Peninsula, East and West, the bottom three clubs there are liable for relegation. Now, the Western Division only has 17 clubs, so that's unlikely to happen. But certainly for our Div 1, could it be that they relegate all three? There's a possibility. You know, we don't know. But because we've got clubs waiting to join us, it is a possibility. But also we, because we're having to try and backfill 
hopefully, that we'll retain the majority of the clubs that are in the tool station Western League at the moment. So I think one thing we can certainly take from all of that, George, is it's pretty complicated stuff at the moment. And um, I think probably as we edge towards the end of this season, um, hopefully things will become a little a little clearer. Um, one of the things we do know from the latest announcement made by the FA is that their intention to return both of our leagues to 20 clubs. And um, so I think that's something that certainly spectators um, and clubs need to need to have in mind. The other thing is obviously the, the, the references to the playoffs. And I, I completely accept what you say about that being a little bit of a movable feast. Um, in the example you gave um, a few moments ago in the in, in the case of, of Bitten, in the event that their points per game was one of the better ones in the country, that could act potentially see them, or indeed any club finishing runners-up in the Western League Premier Division, um, going up automatically without having to nav- navigate the, um, the playoffs, because it, it looks, from the gaps that you mentioned further up the pyramid, that the that the FA's weapon of choice is very much the reprieve at the moment, which um, may well see, fortunately, our clubs going up, but that may mean that clubs um, don't necessarily come down. From what we know, though, George, am I right in saying that at step six, the, the playoff would be within our, our league, within our first division, meaning that Warminster and, and the next four down would then be competing um, for, that, for that second promotion place? That's the way that I understand it. It's um, whether or not we go to playoffs this season, because I think of the the flexibility that the FA need, I think that's the important thing. And I think what would be nice is to come back in a couple of months' time once we know a better picture. But I, I, I really must remind your listeners that um, we've spoken about the likes of Tavistock and Bitten today in position one and two, purely because they're in position one and two today. That doesn't mean at the end of the season it will be Tavistock and Bitten. It is just an example that we're using, and I've got to say that. It's not you're going to get promoted. It's the person who is in position one and two. But yeah, hopefully their, their points per game are sufficient that both teams, whoever they are, do get automatic promotion rather than go into playoffs. George, thank you um, for your time. Um, I know it's a very complex subject and um, we will be returning to it again, probably at least once, if not twice um, this season. But thanks very much for your time and thanks for explaining the, uh, the Les Phillips Cup as well. And my thanks to George for his time. I hope he understands it because I don't. <laughs> you, can, you can cut this out, by the way. <laughs> I think I might keep that in. Um, <laughs> uh, right then, let's have a look at the fixtures coming up. Um, there's a couple of cracking games actually in midweek, but but by the time you've listened to this, they will have happened. So um, we'll look at Saturday, the 4th of December. Uh, what game has caught your eye in the Premier Division, Tom? Well, I know that I've pinched the game of the day from you. I managed to, to get in ahead of the... Ahead of you there, and uh, Tavistock bitten uh, in the Prem. There's only really one way to, one place to look, isn't there? Those two, the top two meeting for the first time this season. Uh, Tavistock obviously leading the league by four points, I think it is at the moment, and, but bitten with a game in hand. So obviously this one will have big ramifications going forward. I think uh, we're just about reaching the halfway point, aren't we? So uh, yeah. Uh, a first meeting between the top two. They've pulled away a little bit from the chasing pack, as we'll touch on in a, in a, in a little while. Uh, but yeah, that that game uh, down in Tavistock on the weekend, uh, yeah, um, well, big game I think, as we as we as we well know. Yeah, absolutely massive. I think if it was a boxing match, it would be Tyson 
fury against Anthony Joshua. Um, I'm going to go for Kel Brook against Amir Khan. No, uh, I'm going for... into that one then, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be going for Buckland Athletic against Ilfracombe Town. I think that this will be highly competitive. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, that's going to be a really cracking game, I think, between two um, top uh, Western League side. So um, that's where that's my that's where my attention's going on Saturday. And if we dip down into the first division, Tom, what's caught your eye there? I have plumped for a little bit under the radar. Uh, Hengrove versus Gillingham. So yeah, we 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 touched on Gillingham's result, didn't we? In uh, in midweek. Uh, sorry, last weekend. In fact, the four-two win. Uh, but they're in they're in decent form. And uh, Hengrove likewise. They've uh, yeah they've moved away from the the bottom bottom couple of. Spots recently, they're going, they're going pretty well. So a home tie for them against uh, a Gillingham side um, who definitely know where the back of the net is. So I think we'll be uh, on for a good game there. Yes, a very good game. I am going to go for Wincanton Town against Cheddar. Wincanton have been, um, they've been coming up on the rail, haven't they? They've been um, creeping up the old first division table. They're up to eight. They've got games in hand against most of the teams. In fact, all of the teams above them, including Cheddar, who they play uh, on uh, on Saturday the uh, the the fourth of December. Now Cheddar, when they're good, they're very very good, but when they're bad, they're not. <laughs> it would be fair to say. So I think that's going to be a highly competitive game. Wincanton will need to be at the races if they're going to get anything out of that game. But I think that's got one hell of a humdinger of a uh, Tool Station Western League First Division match um, about that game. So that's where I'm going to be keeping my eyes, as well as of course the small matter of Bristol telephones against devices. But you know. Yeah. Let's not go there anyway. We're having such a lovely day. Um, right then, um, we're going to have a we'll wrap up by having a quick look at the league tables. Tom, who are the top of the pops in the Premier Division? In the Prem, we obviously we've touched on the top two meeting this weekend. So uh, yeah, they are a little bit of a gap, as we say. Tavistock they played twenty, uh, so that is yeah, uh, just over halfway. They've they've played half more than half the fixture. Twenty games played. Uh, they've won thirteen of those. They're on forty three points uh, with the best goal difference as well. Just must add that. So they're 43 at the top. You've then got Bitten in second, 19 games played. So a game in hand, there's four points behind. So 39 for them. And then we've got a little, ch- well, a big chasing pack that's, uh, yeah, where three, uh, four points uh, covers ninth up to third. So uh, a big, big group of teams. A couple on 33, we've got Bridgewater and Helston, 18 and 16 games played respectively between those two. Uh, you've then got Ilfracombe, who've won 10 of their 17. They're on 32 points. Uh, and then Buckland and Saltash. Uh, sorry, Buckland on. Do that again. We've got Buckland on 31. Uh, they've played 18 matches, and then a couple of sides on 30. We've got Saltash and Kenjim. I mean, that's. I don't know why I've, I've literally read out the whole top half there, but it is pretty tight uh, amongst amongst those sides. No, it is. It's um, incredibly competitive, as we said every week on the podcast. Um, Less so at the bottom of the division. I think we've got two teams that are clearly struggling at the moment. In Ashton and Batwell United, they played 17, got seven points. And below them in 19th place, Bridport played 21, and he got three points to their name um, this season. Two, two sides struggling, but above them, it is a little bit tighter. Cadbury Heath, Street and Brislington separated by five points. Uh, Cadbury Heath on 14 points after 21 games, Street on 16 after 17, and Brislington on 19 after uh, 17. And then it gets quite 
interesting because actually anybody sort of from Wellington and above that goes on a little bit of a run could easily put themselves into mid-table and then who knows from there. So uh, still plenty to play for in the Premier Division. But really in the First Division, one side, Tom, looks to, be, looks to have wrapped things hmm. up pretty much already. Yeah, it's tough to, tough to argue otherwise, isn't it, at the moment? Uh, Welton, uh, 19 games played, 16 wins, three draws, so, and, well, see, no defeats. Uh, 51 points, smashed through the 50-point barrier already. Uh, they are 13 points clear of the, uh, the next best side, and that's Warminster, who've played a game more as well. So they've played 20, and they're on 38 points. They've then got Cheddar, who've played 21. Uh, they're on 37, and then Sherborne, they're also going really well. Uh, in fourth spot, 19 games played. They've got 36. So those are the those are the top four in the in the first division. Absolutely. Uh, and at the bottom, we've got the strongest team in the entire league, holding the rest of them up. It's Devizes Town. They've played Good 20 on. matches and they've got 11 points. Um, above them, Bristol Telephones, who they play, of course, on Saturday. They've played 17 games and they've got 17 points. Bishops Lydiard in 19th. Uh, after 18 games, they've got 17 points. And then Portishead, after 19 games, they've got um, 20 points. So um, one would like to say it's relatively tight at the bottom. And and, in, to, and to be fair, it is actually. When we look at sort of Hengrove, well, actually, Lebec, Titherington Rocks, Hengrove, Longwell Green Sports, Wells City and Almondsbury all separated by a point, well, by two points. Um, so lots going on at the bottom. But um, right at the bottom, it's all looking a little bit... Sad for people like me. Anyway, never mind. Um, <clears throat> Tom, thank you very much for your time Pleasure. this week. And um, we have, of course, been reviewing your excellent bulletin. Where can the where can the listeners find that? That is on the Toolstation League website. Uh, it's about halfway down the the homepage when you when you first um, open that up. So uh, yeah, that's usually downloadable every sort of Sunday lunchtime at the latest. I would say try and get it in before then. Sort of looking back on the weekend's fixtures and. Uh, gets yeah updated tables and what have you and, and a bit of news every now and then. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that comes out on the uh, on the Tool Station League website. And some lovely pictures as well. We should say, shouldn't we? Yeah. we you know, you do include pictures in. from uh, you know from the games. And um, you know, if uh, if if anybody listening does take mm. the odd snap at the uh, at, at a game on Saturday, how can they get those pictures to you? Yeah, indeed. Love, love. Well, love including uh, pictures with you know, obviously with people's permission and what have you. And uh, yeah, it helps to helps add a bit of bit of colour and, and action to the to the words, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, uh, best place to, to get at me, I would say, is is by the by the uh, official email account. So yeah, if you find me on uh, Tom which is H I S C O T at toolstationleague.com. Uh, so if you could send send images and, and stuff through to there. Uh, they'll find me and I'll, yeah, I'll do my best to, to put them in the bulletin and uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. And I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>